the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Undeniably, glioblastoma is the most aggressive form of brain cancer, and progress in treating glioblastoma has been elusive. Now Toronto-based Medicena has completed a successful Phase two with its innovative drug and is now deep into planning the Phase three trial. Also of interest, the FDA agreed to an unprecedented approach in Phase two, which not only yields better science, but reduces the cost of clinical trials themselves. To be sure, this approach will be carried forward into Phase three. Dr. Fahar Merchant is the president and CEO of Medicena Therapeutics. Dr. Merchant, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Amoira. Now, for the drug that Medicena is developing, you've come up with an adjustment to how we normally do clinical trials, and the FDA has agreed. And this doesn't happen very often, uh, that the FDA approves a change. And, of course, it got my attention. And the FDA did this in a medical condition that has seen very little progress or success, and that's glioblastoma, the most aggressive form of brain cancer. So let's start there. What is glioblastoma, and what does it mean for the person who has been diagnosed? Uh, thank you for asking. And and this is uh, really a, a, a condition or a cancer, which is, as you mentioned, by far the most aggressive and uniformly fatal kind of brain cancer. And, and we've heard of uh, Senator John McCain, uh, or Biden, for instance, uh, those um, that's the tumor that actually uh, was the tumor that was responsible uh, for their tumor that sort of caused them uh, to that tumor that they succumbed to. It's a rare disease. It's a rare tumor. But when it shows up in a patient, it is very aggressive. So to give you an idea, patients, when they are first diagnosed with glioblastoma, and this is a tumor that's in the brain, First and foremost, the patients will typically get surgery, assuming the tumor can be accessed. Uh, about 85, 90% of the tumors can be surgically removed. Uh, and then the patients will receive radiation and they will receive chemotherapy in combination. And that continues for several months. And unfortunately, despite the surgery, despite the radiation, despite the chemotherapy, those tumors eventually always come back. They always come back. And when they come back, they are sort of deeper in the brain. They are a lot more aggressive when they were first diagnosed in the patient. And at that point, uh, the patient's survival is limited to just six to nine months, assuming they get best care. So what you can see from this uh, story around glioblastoma is that it is uh, fatal. It has a very short time from diagnosis to patient death, and therefore there has to be something that needs to be developed for these patients. Now, if you look back about 20 years now, that's when uh, one drug was approved 20 years ago, and that was for patients who were newly diagnosed with glioblastoma. And what that drug did was uh, improved the survival of patients with glioblastoma by 10 weeks, two and a half months. These were newly diagnosed patients, 10-week improvement in survival. And that has been the biggest breakthrough in glioblastoma 
since over the past 20 years, and nothing new has come up since then. So what is Medicena's approach? What are you developing? So first and foremost, what we are doing is addressing this big unmet need in patients who've had their tumors have come back. And as you know, those tumors are much more aggressive than the newly diagnosed brain cancer. And because these tumors are so much more deeper in the brain, it's impossible for the majority of patients, for the surgeon, to successfully remove the tumor this time around. And because of that, there is actually no treatment available for patients who've had a relapse where the tumors come back. So the only option patients have really is try some other therapies or radiation, etc., or participate in a clinical trial. So this is what we're doing, is first and foremost to address this big gap that we have where there's no option for these end-stage patients. So Medicina is developing a drug uh, which is um, based on a cytokine. So I'll give you a bit of background, if you recall, we heard a lot about cytokines and cytokine storms during COVID-19. And uh, there are about 40 different cytokines that are produced by our uh, immune system. Uh, some of them can be really nasty that can cause death, as the case with uh, where we had the cytokine storm, where there are three different cytokines that are really responsible for uh, causing all sorts of problems in the lungs of these patients. The cytokine we are working with is called interleukin-4. It's not involved in COVID or anything like that, but this particular cytokine, interleukin-4, is actually a, a nutrient. It's a growth factor. It makes tumors, such as the brain cancer, to grow a lot faster. So in a sense, it's a food for tumors and therefore, the tumors tend to grow faster if there's lots of interleukin-4. So taking that into consideration, we said, why don't we design a, a Trojan horse, a molecular Trojan horse, in a sense that take advantage of the fact that brain tumors love to take interleukin-4. If we attach a poison to it, then what happens is the brain tumor is going to inadvertently swallow the interleukin-4, but at the same time take the poison and kill itself. So that's the approach we took in designing this drug, which we call MDNA-55. But the tumor is in the brain. How do you get the interleukin-4 into the brain? Yes, well, you're right. The, the thing is that our drug, the interleukin-4, with the poison attached to it, will not cross the blood-brain barrier. So the only way to deliver the drug is to inject the drug slowly into the tumor itself. So it sounds very complex, but in reality, it's a very straightforward, very simple procedure that neurosurgeons conduct very routinely. For instance, when they do a tumor biopsy in the brain, uh, it's the same approach uh, that they would conduct when they're doing a biopsy. So what they do is drill a small burr hole in the skull, place a catheter, and deliver the drug overnight to the patient. Patient is fully awake, fully functional, can walk around. The only difference is that 
the patient is carrying a trolley, which is infusing the drug as though they were getting an IV infusion. So what happens is that uh, the drug is gradually being dripped into the tumor overnight, and then the next morning, the patient basically uh, has the, uh, the catheter removed by the nurse. So that's sort of a single one-time administration. This makes the drug get to the tumor, but it doesn't go anywhere else in the body. The good thing about this drug is that the interleukin-4 does not bind or attach or uh, affect the healthy brain cells. And because of that, it's this high level of precision, this high level of selectivity, makes sure that the drug only goes to the tumor cells and not the healthy brain cells. So that's what makes the drug safe. And because the drug is not being infused anywhere else in the body, none of your uh, issues with the lung, the liver, the kidney damage that you typically see with chemotherapies, et cetera, and hair loss, all that does not occur. So that's where you have the safety benefit of the drug. Second of all, you don't have to infuse too much of the drug in the patient. In fact, a gram of this drug, so think about this. If you take a small pouch of sugar, that's about four grams of sugar. Now, four grams of sugar or four grams of our drug will treat 20,000 patients. <laughs> That's not much. <laughs> well, exactly. So it's because we are injecting the drug directly in the tumor, you don't need much of it. It's just, you know, think about a grain of salt, and that's the amount of drug that we create, sort of dissolve that drug in fluid, in saline solution, and infuse it in the brain. That's it. Drip, drip, drip overnight. Drip, drip overnight. Correct. Okay. Now you're preparing to go into phase three, which tells me there's been success in phase one and two trials. I mean, there's always multiple trials here. Let's talk about your most recent trial, the phase 2B. What did you do? What did you learn? Yes. So the phase 2B trial was the most recent trial. And the earlier trials that we conducted, those were the trials which allow us to first and foremost determine if the drug is safe, how much drug can be infused in the patient, what volume can be infused in the patient, and so on and so forth. And truly to determine if the drug is actually whether it's working or not. So that's the, the phase 1 and 2 studies. And the phase 2B is the sort of the prelude to a phase three trial. So this particular trial, we enrolled 46 patients. These patients, all of these patients, had previously received surgery, they had radiation, uh, and they had received chemotherapy, and the tumor had come back. In about 20% of the patients, the relapse or the tumor had come back the second time. So even worse, because at this point, the patients had a much more deeper, more aggressive tumor. So we basically are taking patients or uh, treated patients who had the worst tumor that they, they can have, uh, particularly with glioblastoma. And these patients were infused or treated with our drug, just as I mentioned, uh, one time. It was a single treatment, 
just one-time administration that took place overnight. And then we followed these patients and monitored the tumor, the tumor shrinkage, the patient's survival. Those are the most important things to see if the drug is continues to be safe. Is it extending the survival of the patient? Is it causing the tumor to shrink? So those were the things that we would monitor over several months and in some cases for three to four years in these patients. So what we found was uh, the survival of these patients that received just one treatment with our drug, the survival was 15.7 months. Now remember, I had mentioned to you earlier that patients that have a relapse or the tumor has come back, when the tumor comes back, the expected survival is typically between six and nine months. And what we saw in our trial was that we saw that the patients had survived more than 15 months. That was very, very dramatic. So what we decided to do was um, to just be sure that our data was reliable and was consistent. What we then did was we enrolled additional patients that had already received therapy with other, other drugs. And these patients were enrolled from a patient registry, from different hospitals. So these patients had already received treatment, they had the similar kind of tumor, and we looked at 11 different measurements that are responsible to determine whether a patient with brain tumors is going to live, have a short life or a long life. For instance, the age of the patient. Um, the other thing we would look at is the size of the tumor. Where is the tumor located? What are the biomarkers in this particular tumor? Because there are certain biomarkers that make the tumor more aggressive than others. So in total, we looked at 11 different measurements and we matched those patients from the patient registry. So in the end, what we, we came up with was we had patients that had received our drug and patients that had received the standard treatment that was available, and these patients were matched. And then we looked at the survival of the patients that were enrolled from the registry. The survival there was just 7.2 months. Whereas patients that received our drug, survival was 15.7 months. What we had effectively done was improved more than double the survival from 7.2 months and added another eight and a half months improvement in survival. Now, it may not seem like a lot of time, but just think about the very first mention I made about the drug that was approved 20 years ago. This was in patients that were newly diagnosed. These were patients that had less aggressive tumors. And that particular drug improved the survival by 10 weeks. Whereas in our situation, what we saw was that in more aggressive tumors that were relapsed patients, the drug improved survival by eight and a half months. So that was very, very dramatic. And we were really thrilled with those data. Now, normally in studies, there'll be a, a group of patients 
that don't receive the drug. They're given what we call placebo. You still spend all the money recruiting the patients, monitoring the patients, getting people to administer the drug, to collect the data. It doesn't take much if you can get this cancer registry data for these patients. And once you've matched them, it seems to me that's far less expensive. Basically, this particular approach of conducting the phase three clinical trial, first of all, it's very efficient. Uh, There is so much data available. It's less costly. The clinical trial ends up substantially shorter in duration. That means the drug can get to the marketplace much more quicker. And all of these things together would then make the drug uh, available to patients in a relatively shorter time than if the drug was developed in a conventional way. So you end up with the same high quality data, irrespective, without the pain and the cost and the expense, and then eventually the drug is going to cost the patient more because it took a lot more to develop it. So it's all win-win for the patient and for the company that's developing the drug. Now, you've received the go-ahead by the FDA to proceed into phase three. Are you using this type of plan as well? That's the plan. So we were... uh, We took the phase 2B data to the FDA where we had used this uh, data from the patient registry uh, and we convinced the FDA that it would make sense based on the quality of data we can get using this approach. And the FDA, for the first time ever, agreed that a phase 3 trial uh, could be conducted with our drug if we were to also use the registry data. And this is unprecedented because this has never happened before. So we're really thrilled with this new approach that the FDA has been very supportive of us to pursue. And in the end, we think that this approach will help other companies so that future drugs for cancer hopefully can use a similar approach and get cancer drugs to patients quickly, in a shorter time frame, less expensive, etc. Now, frequently, phase three has two parts to it in the sense that you use more subjects, more participants, and you give them the drug over a longer period of time. Well, that second aspect over a longer period of time does not really apply here. It's the same drug, right? Yes. It's, it's one drug which is administered to the patient once, which is very unique. It's, and, and all you're doing then is measuring the time frame as to how long does it take for the tumor to come back or the patient to receive another therapy. It sort of allows you to get the data very quickly. And you already have the data from your patient registry. So all the time that you normally needed to then treat more patients in this sort of placebo or standard of care, that's all gone. That time is not in in part of the trial at all. So that's a huge plus. And it's also time limited by the nature of the condition. Exactly, because we know that the expected lifespan of these patients is six to nine months. And therefore, uh, the only thing that we are looking at is determine, are we getting the patient's survival to be longer than the six to nine months? And therefore, the trials 
take much shorter. And the enrollment takes a lot shorter time frame as well. So all in all, it's benefiting the company, but also it's benefiting the patient. You know, Dr. Merchant, phase three trials are notoriously expensive. But here you have, you have this new approach, which is cutting back on the cost. You have a a real limit on how long these patients will be on the drug. Uh, How much do you anticipate this phase three trial will cost and how long will it take? Well, the, the, the estimate is anywhere between 50 and $70 million, which is a lot of money for a, a small company. It'll take about two to three years to complete and for the drug to be then made available uh, if we are successful in, in getting the positive data that we already received in the phase two trial. So it's about two to three years, as much as $70 million is the total cost. And this is a large sum of money for a small company uh, to spend. But the key thing here is this, that we want this drug eventually to be made available to patients. And the best people who can do this is companies that have more resources, that have the sales and marketing teams, not only in the U.S., but around the world. So this drug can be made available to patients all over the world. So our intent is to now have this program partner with a company that can, can, can conduct the phase three trial and eventually commercialize the drug. So that's the intent going forward. Well, Dr. Merchant, thank you so much uh, for coming in. I hope you come back and see us again and good luck to you. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the time that we spent together. Thank you. My guest today is Dr. Farhar Merchant, the president and CEO of Medicena Therapeutics. More information is available at medicena.com. That's M-E-D-I-C-E-N-N-A, medicena.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.